is Rachel. And this is Danielle. In Convocation With is dedicated to highlighting the journey of Berea College alumni and friends. Follow along with us as we interview members of the Berea alumni class to learn more about their time in the bubble and beyond. And this is In Convocation With. Be bold, be powerful, and be a movement. Jonathan Johnson is from Birmingham, Alabama. He is a proud alumnus of Berea College, where he received his bachelor's degree in 2010. After college, Jonathan attended the Savannah College of Art and Design, where he received a Master of Fine Arts in 2012. Jonathan is a writer, actor, and director dedicated to creating work that is socially conscious and sparks conversation. Jonathan is a firm believer that theater has a transformative and healing power. He has produced and toured shows throughout the Southeast region and worked as the studio education coordinator for a local nonprofit in the Atlanta area. He served in that position for four years. He is so thrilled to be a part of this conversation. Hi, Jonathan. We're so happy to have you today. Hello. I'm so happy to be here today. It's an honor. Well, I personally was like, we have to have Jonathan on here because um, you're such a presence and you're so positive and I follow your Instagram (laughs) and it brings me such joy. So thank you for what you're putting into the world. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for checking it out and looking at it. (laughs) I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, We are 100% putting your Instagram handle and all of the ways to get in touch with you in our podcast bio so that way everybody can find you. Oh, cool. Come on, make me famous. (laughs) (laughs) That's our goal. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, so I want to dive right in. Um, I want to know what was your labor assignment when you first got to Berea, like your very first one? Oh my God. So my first labor assignment was at the college bookstore. And my my supervisor, her name is Miss Janet. That's all I remember. I can't remember her last name. But um, <laughs> she was like the best boss, very strict, but she loved like Berea College and she loved books. So she was very much about us having the books organized, knowing how to you know, go directly to the book that a student may need it. And so it, that was my first labor assignment. Oh, I have not, this sounds like crazy, like outside of like being at Bree College, I have not met anybody that actually worked in the bookstore. Really? Oh. Yes. That was like a covenant position. Cause like we only worked on Saturdays and you know, our hours were very like accommodating to our class schedule. So I, I, I was favored. <laughs> I, was, I was really favored. Oh. Fair enough. That's amazing. What originally drew you to Berea College? Well, okay. I always tell this story. So I was going to go to another college that I really love that's here in Atlanta. It's called Morehouse. And I was like, down. I was going to go to Morehouse and go, but they wouldn't give me no money. And my mom was like, listen, you got to figure something out. And Carl Thomas came to my school, Ramsey High School, represent Ramsey, Birmingham, Alabama. And he was in the hallway and I was just walking and he said, hey, come here. And he was like, have you applied for college? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to school. He was like, have you heard about Berea College? I had never heard about it. Didn't know anything about it. He was like, well, why don't you apply? And then we're having a Carter G. Woodson weekend. 
And so I said, okay, free trip, I'll go. I'll, you know, it's fun. And when I went, I fell in love with the campus. I fell in love with everything about Berea. And so for me not knowing anything about it, kind of uh, a little bit about it to like, no, I really want to go to this school. And a lot of my friends went there that I had went like known from high school, which was surprising, or that I had met like in passing. And it was a big Birmingham presence at Berea College, which I had no idea until I went there. And I was like, oh, I think this is home. So that's really what was the person that drew me. So Carl Thomas, he was the angel that brought me to Berea College. Oh, I love that story. Oh, it's Carter G. Woodson weekend. I feel like the more people that we interview, the more that I hear that that weekend was what like brought people to Berea. It's so cool to hear. It, was it is a special weekend. Yeah, yeah it, it literally was a special weekend, especially for African-Americans, because I think you get to celebrate culture around people that look like you and you feel safe doing it. And then um, it, the programming is so intentional. And so it's about getting you, I think I got to saw a show that we're doing once on this island, which is amazing musical um, that kind of centers around African African culture and Jamaican culture. And so we saw that at the theater and I'm a theater you know, geek. So I was like sold. And then we went to like the chapel and it was just a great experience. And so I think um, it is one of those staples that Berea College used to always have for people of color, I believe. That's fantastic. Oh, I, it makes me like reevaluate like where I like, I typically am like when I donate, I donate straight to the general fund and I'm like, you know what they can do with what, what they will. But the more that I hear stories like this, where it's like something that's really impactful, it makes me think about like, maybe I should be like allocating like specific years of my funds to these different things. So then that way they continue to, to thrive. Yeah. It's one of those things. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Rachel. Oh, no, no. I think that's such an important lens to have in considering how we donate and where we donate. Yeah, because I wanted to, I think Carter G. Woodson Weekend um, is a part of like that legacy. Mm -hmm. And when I became, when I became a student, then I became a part of that legacy. I started you know, volunteering, I started being a part of that experience for other kids that look like me. And so when you, I do make donations, I try to be as specific as possible so that, you know, it can go there just so that it can outlive you and that, you know, those young people that are impacted about it, it can just kind of, it's a seed that can grow further than, you know, you. Yeah. Oh, I just got like legitimate chills up and down my arms. <laughs> legacy. Oh, I love that legacy. Oh, God. I'll tell you. Oh, sorry. I knew this was the right guest to have, like to start yeah. off 2023. Absolutely. <laughs> One of my students is attending the Carter G. Woodson weekend this weekend. It's this weekend coming up. And she has been texting me and asking all about the weekend and, you know, what they'll do on campus. And I was like, oh, you are in for a treat. And she's already signed up to attend Berea in the fall. But she is so looking forward to this weekend. Maybe I can send you a picture that she sends me. Please do. And the, and the great thing about it, especially since she's already coming, she'll meet other people that are already coming. So yes. it's a quick way to meet a friend, um, yeah. you know, coming from a small area. I mean, Birmingham's not small, but just still coming far from home. You know, like when you can meet somebody that might be going, it's like, oh my God, let's be roommates. Or, you know, yeah. let's come up a road. I don't even know if they do road weekend anymore, but you know, that's the weekend during the summer where you do all your registration stuff. You can already have a friend. So I'm excited for her. I hope it's great. Me too. Me too. Aww. 
Well, and so where do you call home now? Are you're back in Atlanta? Yes, I'm in um, Atlanta, Georgia, kind of on the outside in McDonough. But yeah, I'm in Atlanta. That's my home. Oh, Atlanta's a fun place. And you went to the Savannah College of Art and Design, correct? Yes. For your master's? I did. SCAD. Yes. All the way. Oh, <laughs> my God. I like, I loved that school. Like the camp, like I didn't go. But like, it was one that like, I really considered, but I was like, I just don't know what I want to do. And it's so expensive. And, but it was definitely like on my radar. And I, I just, oh God, it was so pretty, but I'm glad I went to Maria. (laughs) I'm glad that I kind of had both experiences because Maria, you know, you have um, kids that come from all walks of life. And then also the, um, the economic kind of component was so great and such a collaborative force that, you know, kids both made the same amount of money. So you didn't have to have that, you know, that awkwardness, but going to SCAD where you have like millionaires and <laughs> kids who are also just, I was still a, a struggling student. Uh, it was great to kind of see that both world. And I was already kind of rooted and grounded, which Maria teaches and kind of gives you that that I kind of didn't have like an identity like struggle going there. So um, SCAD is beautiful. It is amazing. And yes, it is very expensive. (laughs) Yes, but so beautiful. (laughs) So beautiful. It's so terrific. And I met a a lot of cool people, but I'm so thankful for my Berea experience because it really prepared me for grad school. I always say that. That's fantastic. Um, So what steps did you take to get to the career that you're in now. So, and you can include more of your experience at Berea College with some of your labor assignments. Um, I would say the steps that I took was one of the things about Berea College Theater Department, shout out to the theater department, Miss Miss Deb and Miss Adonma, um, is that they make you do all of it. So I wanted to just be an actor. I was gonna be in a famous, I was gonna perform. And they were like, okay, that's cute. You need to learn this light board. <laughs> How to do costumes, sound. You need to clean up this theater. You need to help with the set. And I think that that was so pivotal because it's a very small amount of actors who really make it and get roles. But there's a whole, a whole bunch of um, performance behind the scenes. They always keep jobs. And that was one of the things that helped me thrive at SCAD because when I got to SCAD, Everybody was getting roles. And I was like, oh, my God. But then I was like, oh, they have a directing gig? I'll do it. Oh, they have somebody who's on the, like, um, who needs a soundboard? I can do it. You need lighting for the show? And that helped me kind of get engulfed into the theater community at, in Savannah because I had that background. I had that experience. I just wasn't on stage. And so after grad school, I could take a theater. I could take a costume job or I could take a, a, a job doing lighting. And that kind of helped me with doing my own shows because, when you're writing and producing and doing something like in a small community theater, you have to pay people to do that. And if you don't have no money, that's hard. (laughs) Truth. Truth. And so when you can go ahead and say, let me go ahead and do this light board because I know how to do it. Let me go ahead and do this sound cues because I know how to do it. I'll run the board. I'll do that. I'll do the tickets. I'll clean up the theater. Um, I'll help hang the set. That eliminates the cost, but it also makes you fully a part of that experience, which I believe every performer needs. You have to do it all so that you can really say you are a lover of the arts. I love theater. 
when I go to a show, I don't just, I mean, the performances are great. The actors and the singing is great. But I look at that lighting and how they put that light right on at the right time. I look at how the set moves and symmetry. I looked at the ticket person who gave me a ticket and how they were so professional and how afterwards I make sure that it, it looks so clean in there because the person that cleaned, it's a whole experience. And so sure. that is one of the things that Berea, those steps kind of taught me to have a full love for the arts. So yes, I would shout out the theater department because it's top notch. I really believe that. I believe it's top notch. And that's how I teach students. That's how I give like my advice to younger artists is that you need to be able to do it all. You have to, so you can keep a job. <laughs> Isn't that the truth for all careers? Like, I feel like there's so much of that, that we all got at Berea that we were doing all the roles in whatever like job we were at at Berea. Like Rachel, can't you attest to that? Oh, every part is important and they all hold hands with one another to make like this cohesive production that's successful. And I mean, whether it's in theater or another workforce sector, it is important to be that team player. And to also, I think rewarding to have been in every part of the production. What was your favorite at Berea? Uh, favorite production that I was in or just like of all times? That you were in at Berea and then your favorite of all time. Okay, but that I was in in Berea was West Side Story. Oh, um, you know, I love, you know, I was a jet and um, Rodney Clark was um, our director. So he did it in such a great and poetic way, which I thought was so beautiful. And so that was one of my favorite shows. It was actually like my short-term class as well. So we got to do like rehearsals in the morning, dance rehearsals in the evening and learn about the whole like um, story of West Side Story and like, you know, um, we did a, like a diversity inclusion during that story too, because it, it, it talks about a lot of um, racial um, prejudice during that time. So that was really one of my favorite um, theatrical experiences. I think of all times, it was probably once on this island when I saw it, Carter G, <laughs> because oh, it was Lord. it was such a special moment. It was like one of those things. It's like I want to do that. You know, I want to I want to do this. I can do that. And that was like a special moment for me, you know, and I got to meet all the actors afterwards. And so it was just, it was special. So I, I would say of all times, and we've done some great shows, but that was one of my favorites, just for nostalgia. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Very sweet. I love that as well. Um, Rachel, you want to ask the next question? Sure. Um, did you have a favorite class and or professor at Berea? And how did they impact you in your career today? Oh my God, my, I would say, and I'm not going to cry because this person has just, she passed like two years ago. And um, her name is Dr. Gloria Johnson. Um, she was a beautiful, amazing soul. Um, she was the first person that made me feel seen, loved, and heard at college. Like, you know, I had an amazing parents, but like, when you're at college, you know, you feel alone. You feel like you're, you you just need mentors. You need somebody to kind of look out for you. And a lot of our professors were like that at Berea, but she was just that one person that just made me feel seen, safe, loved, heard. I felt smart around her. I felt silly around her. She was like a wise sage. And I just enjoyed having conversations and she let me just be, she let me grow. She let me make mistakes. She let me ask the hard questions and um, all of her, and I would say her classes, African-American religious traditions um, was one of my favorite courses there because 
it was the first time, you know, I was raised like, you know, Christian, Christian. So learning about just all of the totality of our culture and the religions that make up African people, African-American people was so cool. And so she brought that um, kind of perspective to our class. We got to meet people from the Yoruba tribe and how they approach the spirituality and just, it was just cool. It was just a great experience, but she is usually, she was a light to not only, I would say me, but so many Black boys and girls and, you know, who just needed her. Uh, she was just our mom. She was Dr. G. And so um, I know she's looking down and just shining her her light and love and positivity on me, but I just miss her so much. So she's my fave. She's my fave. I kind of am going to go off script with this one, and I hope you don't mind. Feel free to, if we can cut this part out if we need to, but yeah. how how do you feel that you can open yourself up when you're coming from a new place in a new space and you're around all these new people, like how do you feel like you were able to, to get to that point where you could open up with your professors and open up to your classmates and, and be yourself? How did, how did that happen for you? Well, I, I believe the, the one way that it happened for me, because um, I came from a very close knit family um, my mom and my dad, they dropped me off and my mom cried in the car. You know, it was just one of those things. And so I miss mom like crazy. I'm a mama's boy. And I remember I was, I wanted to leave. I wanted to, I was like, I'm going to leave Berea. But I believe the one thing that kind of kept me besides Dr. Gloria was meeting that group of people that kind of saw me, you know what I'm saying? And I think that's one of the things that Berea is such a special place. Even when I came back for homecoming, I was able to talk to kids and immediately you were able to connect with them. Like you didn't have that outside, you know, what are you wearing? What is this kind of thing? You know that these are these are kids coming from hardworking families that we don't have to look alike, but we understand working hard, struggle, being our best and trying to achieve and make our families proud. And that was the one thing that I did not have to worry about coming to Berea. And finding my tribe and my village was pivotal because it helped me be like, I, I, I see myself here. I see myself succeeding here because you understand it, you get it. I know that you're going through something in that experience as well. And so together we can like, we can make it, like we can really get through this. And that was some of my Birmingham friends, but it was also some of my roommates. And there was this guy, I don't even, I can't remember his name. I think it's Dakota. I think his name is Dakota. He was on my, he was on my, um, um, on my, on my floor at Dana. And this is where Dana had air conditioning. So, you know, that these these kiddos now, I'm like, y'all live in the lap selection. Yes. We didn't have air. And um, yes. we would come out the in the hallways. And I remember I was going through a hard time with my, my dad. I think he had just like, you know, was going through disability, some financial struggle, whatever. And his dad was too. And I think we were able to just have like that moment of like, I get it. And that was my first time really seeing soul to soul connection. Like, you get it. I get it. Like, I'm here for you. I got you. And I think that helped me be more of like, I'm gonna accept all people. I'm coming with an open heart for all people because you know we didn't have those barriers. And I do think like just something that I've gleaned as a pattern in our conversations is that so many of us do consider Berea home. And yes. I think like you said, coming back for homecoming, it is a homecoming for so many of the Berea College alumni who really, I mean, carry Berea in our hearts daily. Yes. 
And it's something that was transformative to our, our career paths and to how we are as human beings out in the world. And like, I just think of like fellow Bereans out there doing amazing things because I know them and we were together in this bubble, in this special little place in central Kentucky that changed our lives and gave us that opportunity to be those amazing people we are today, which brings me to your play, Make It Home. Can you share with us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, um, Make It Home is a, it was, it's a passion project. Um, I would say the synopsis of the play is a family um, trying to reclaim hope after the recent um, loss of their son who was shot by the police. And um, I wrote this play right after one of the shootings. Um, it's, I always say one of the shootings because it's so many. And so it was one of the shootings and um, I was upset. I was angry like many Americans. And me and my brother came together and he was like, I was like, we were on the phone. I was like, what are we going to do? You know what I'm saying? You know, I went to the protests. I've done all the things. What are we going to do? Like, what can I do? And um, I was like, sometimes I feel like I'm a target. And my brother was like, well, we're not targets. And um, when he said that, that just kind of started making my light bulbs kind of just shine and illuminate. And as an artist, we always try to use our art to kind of speak to what the times are. And I started writing um, this play and I wanted to write it just from the family. So a mom brokenhearted after the cameras and the media leave and her trying to heal and get her, her life back together. Because a lot of times we see these stories and it's a news clip and it's a good two months. And then we, we wonder what happened to the family. And I wanted to talk about that experience. And when I wrote it originally, I just talked about that experience. But then I was like, but I think we need to add the police officer in because I wanted to get the audience's perspective of what they thought. Um, is this a bad police officer? Is this a good police officer? Let's have that conversation intentionally in a safe space. And I think theater does that. We can talk about it without us being, oh, I got to choose a side. But you hear the, the police officer's story and you can feel compassion or you can feel anger or you can feel a little bit in between. I don't think it's a right or wrong response. I think it's just us experiencing life together and watching it on stage. And so um, that was one of the um, reasons why I, I wrote it. And it has been one of the things that I have seen it done in so many audiences. I've seen it in front of high schoolers. I've seen it in front of um, mixed stages. I've seen it in front of um, some all more, you know, white stages. And people respond to it very differently. And we always used to have a talk back afterwards. And it's so great to hear people's experience. And some people agree with the police officers. Some people disagree. Some people agree with what happened in the story. Some people disagree, agree with it. It's, it's great for conversation. But at the end of the day, I wanted to spark a little change. Whatever that can be, whatever that change may be, it might be, you know what? I might try to make sure that I'm aware of that my kid knows about having that talk with a lot of African-American families have to have with their, their um, black or brown child of like, let me have that conversation with them earlier than later. Um, you know what, if I'm, if I'm a police officer, I might have a little bit more patience with this um, routine stop. Um, or I might try to volunteer at the police station and, you know, if I'm a mental health advocate, be there to support some people that may have mental health issues or somebody who's on the on the spectrum, like maybe I can lend my services to support a police station 
um, just a little bit of change, whatever we could do, wh whatever that means, you know, however you want it to be. Yeah. I think that that talk back at the end to have that open conversation in that safe space, as you said, like that is so incredibly powerful. And I think it, if someone was feeling one sort of way the entire time, then maybe they're able to then glean that, like you said, glean something else from that, from that talk back situation. So I think, golly, what a powerful thing to be able to do and to bring into this world. So kudos to you, Jonathan. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that um, I was thankful that I got to do it at Berea, but I'm, I'm more thankful that, um, like you said, that people can have a different perspective leaving in. Because some people do come in with, I'm going to, I know what the story about, I'm going to be mad. But some people really do leave like, they think about it that way. And so that to me is like, oh, that's the mission. That was my activism. That was me using my voice for change. So I'm just, I'm thankful for that experience for people. Absolutely. And I, I think it's such an important, relevant social critique and commentary. And I also think how we have been enabled from being at Berea College and like really taking the great commitments, including social justice, um, to, to our daily practices and how we go out into the world and continue to voice that importance of having these conversations. And I know when you started describing the play, it's it's such a unique perspective to have once the, the actual arc of this, this horrific thing has taken place. And usually that's where the story ends. Yes. And then it's the repetitive motion of say their name, when it happens again and again. Yeah. And I think it reminded me of the Broadway play American Son, where yes. it immediately stops after the the parents find out about their child and where your play is a different perspective continuing. Like, how do we go on and like, how do we carry this trauma and yeah. how do we also like leave the theater, which is why theater is also one of my favorite things of saying, like, how can you go out and be an advocate and an ally for our our black brothers and sisters like that, I think, is the takeaway from that type of type of performance. And we lose it. Um, amen. Right. Y'all and both of y'all, you and Dana didn't preach. But I think we lose the families we lose the families this is yeah, somebody is I, I know that we have say their names and you know you know the the anthems that we speak which are important but that's somebody's baby that's somebody's brother yeah. their cousin their family member and we have to remember them in prayer we have to remember them in our time and in our energy of showing reverence to that and i was like we we sometimes lose that after the media loop and the attention and the people leave they still have to grieve their baby yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm like, I'm <laughs> sorry. I'm like over here and like, I'm in tears because it, you know, I have two young kids of my own and like to, to live with that loss it, when it, it could have been prevented, been prevented. Yeah. is just absolutely tragic. So I love the fact that 
you are drawing attention to that grieving process that happens after and those conversations that we can have to try to like to mitigate this and to to, to help and to move forward in a positive direction. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do think, again, just drawing back to our time at Berea, like the critical thinking skill and the skills that we get to express our feelings and to also do it in a way where there is still integrity and decorum in the conversations we're having out. And, and again, like this is a podcast where three people right now, but maybe someone will hear this and say, I need to talk about this. And, and I think the goal is like at home tonight, like doesn't it start yeah. at home and then it trickles out into your workplace and then your community and then the world. And there's like this change. And I think where we can have these conversations around police reform and grieving and trauma. And I, I really do believe that that comes from some of those GRE classes we had at Berea yes. College. And like, how do you start to discuss these things in a real world way? And also like apply and implement, whether it be legislation or changes down the road. So so we can affect positive change, like you said, Dano. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think about, I sit on the state board for health and physical education, and there has been a major push to make sure that the, the diversity, equity, and inclusion is a major part of all of our presentations that we are putting in. And it should be at the forefront of all of our minds, especially if we went to Berea, how can we advocate? Yeah. Yes. How can we advocate? Because it's important. Yeah. It is so important. And that is allyship. That is advocacy. That is support. You know, I believe that we think about Berea, it did give us that space, that safe space to have conversations that were sometimes hard, but it made us start realizing that is allyship, me really holding your hand mm-hmm. and not just saying, I'm going to be here, but like, what can we really do? Like, let's make the action roll. Let's right. get it going so that we can move it forward. And that's why even after the show, we have the talk back because I want you to see it and I want you to feel the feelings, but let's talk about it. And really, what can you do after the conversation? You know, how can we keep the conversation going? And what can you do in your own communities, like you said, in your own homes to get the change and start the change, to get in some good trouble? Getting some good. Yeah, start like John Lewis said, one of our um, graduation speakers not too long ago. I want to say 2013, 14. We were honored to have Representative John Lewis come and speak to us, and he said, "Get in good trouble." We gotta get in good trouble. He said, "Use your education to find a way to get in the way," which is something I continue to think about. I want to put that up on my wall. Like that is so good. Yeah. And I think that's what we're all trying to do. Well, knowing that this is an in convocation with podcast, I want to ask you, what was your favorite convocate? Yeah. Let's (laughs) go. What was your favorite convocation? (laughs) Oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a old school Randall Robert, you know, that was combo oh. with my combo ticket. <laughs> with my combo ticket. I, that was like one of the favorites. But I would say one of my favorite combos was when we had Dr. Vashai, I can't think of her last name, but she was one of our guest speakers. She was the first Black 
um, bishop in the, I think the um, Methodist church, first black oh. bishop in the Methodist church. And she was phenomenal. And it was so cool to have her there, to have a woman, um, a black yeah. woman who has like risen, like risen above so much adversity, come and speak to us. It just left me so supercharged. And she took a picture with me. So like, oh. you know, yeah. So it was just so cool. So I would say that was one of my ones I like remember, like, that's, that's my favorite, you know? Oh, I love that. How yeah. do you feel like, I know this because I've also been looking at like your presence online and the messaging you send out. Like, how do you feel like your faith filled lifestyle, like bleeds into your work and like who you are as a writer and director? Well, I think the biggest thing is that I am, I live in positivity or live in a space of just gratefulness because Mm -hmm. I know um, the other side of it. (laughs) <laughs> I know how, how how you don't live in that, you know, in that space. And so I remember wanting something to make me come out of it. And it wasn't a lot out there, but it was stuff out there. And so I would start with doing my video. I would start with in the mirror, just saying like, hey, you. And I'd be like, you know, it's going to be a great day. And I didn't believe it. But then I would have to keep saying it. And I said, if that helps me a little bit, <laughs> let me share that out. Because I believe before like, you know, being faithful or like being churchy or like anything, just being a, um, a, trying to be a good person and just giving somebody a little positivity can go a long way. It can really go a long way. It really does. It's contagious. It really does. It is contagious. I, on the days that I'm feeling like very stressed out with the amount of things to do or whatever it may be, whatever I'm feeling down for, I go to your Instagram and I just like watch a bunch of your videos in a row because I'm like, this is like what I need to be telling myself right now internally, because if I saw a video today that said that like, we have like, like 48,000 thoughts a day or something like that. And mm-hmm. out of those 48,000, 80% of them are negative. And if that's what we're telling ourselves over and over and over, that's what we're going to be believing. And so I'm like, maybe I, in this moment of negativity, I'm not able to like tell myself it's going to be okay. But if I can watch a video from Jonathan and he's going to tell me it's going to be okay. Like I'm, I'm going to start feeling better. So thank you. Oh, I love that. <laughs> that just made me cry. You give me all. Oh my god. So These are sweethearts on here. And I know we're running short on time, but I want to hear what's next. What's next for you? Oh my god. Professionally, goodness. personally, what do you have on the horizon? Well, I live in a life that's totally into place of thriving because I've survived a lot. So my next is thriving in everything that I do and thriving in everything that I do and continue, continuing um, just being um, a support for people from all walks of life. Because I believe that if we help somebody out just a little bit, then that always add to a bigger picture. And so what's next for me is just continuing in that joy and sharing a little bit out to somebody. And y'all, he is like chicken soup for the soul. You need to be (laughs) following along. (laughs) Jonathan just makes our hearts swell. And you can find him at... Writer, lover, friend on Instagram. Writer, lover, friend on TikTok. Or just even Jonathan Johnson on Facebook. We are grateful and blessed to have had you today on the podcast, Jonathan. 
Thank y'all. I have cried. Dana, you and Rachel, you didn't preach. And Dana, I didn't cry. I, I was like, I'm going to be like a deep weed. So thank y'all for having me. Thank you for having me. Well, we love you so much. And we are so thankful that you said yes. And we are so glad that you were the first interview on In Convocation With in 2023. Thank you, my love. Thank, thank you. you.